Reformed Church. You know, since I, I looked actually in my notes, actually since the first of the year, it's interesting. You know, the Lord has just been bringing a lot of really awesome stuff to my mind about, um, uh, I guess, qu- quite a bit of that around the portion that Pastor Mike has been teaching around uh, how the temple is a picture of how the church should conduct itself, right? But, but the, one of the main things, right, the real strand there since the first of the year has been around uh, the working of the Spirit in our lives and our body at rest. You know, and, and that could be obviously a very, very misunderstood thing, right? That could, I, I remember back probably more than 10, 15 years ago, definitely more than 10 years ago, when the Lord first started showing us about us being at rest, you know, you know we were definitely growing in it, uh, but people were understanding it kind of like, oh, like, that's good, I don't want to work anyway, so I'm just going to stay home and I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to sit on my couch and do nothing, right? But obviously, rest is not doing anything, uh, actually, rest for the church is actually quite active, right, because the simple reason that it's no longer we that live, rest, right, but Christ that lives in me, active, right? So it's very, very active, right? It's a lot of ministry being done, a lot of, a lot of people being helped, a lot of truth being spoken, right? A lot of activity going on, right? But, but as far as us ourselves, though, you know, from where, you know, from the activity that the world would draw stress from and, and, oh my gosh, I'm so busy and all of this busyness and all this stuff, right? That's not, that's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God does not work like, oh my God, people are running around like chickens and, and there's so much to do and, and, oh my God, and I'm so late and I'm so busy and I have no time, right? That, that's the way this world works. That's not the way God works, right? In other words, when you find yourself even describing your days like that, right? You're not describing like the perfect scenario for yourself. You're just describing how you feel right now. So, so being busy and working tons is not a godly thing, right? That's not, God doesn't look at that and say, oh, I'm so proud of my girl. I'm so proud of my boy. You're so busy and you're always working so hard, right? That's not, that's not, that's not something that God looks to and commends, right? Um, there are things uh, in, in, our, in our work, in our daily activities that God does, and what it is is God does things with excellence, right? So God doesn't waste time, right? So in your job and in your work where people, you know, that don't have the Lord, they don't have any help apart from their own abilities to know exactly what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. People in this world don't understand what it means to be, to be yielded right, be yielded to the Spirit of God and be led by Him and then allowing the Lord to work through you so that the things that you do are done with excellence so that people that don't even know God look at you and what you're doing and they're so impressed with you and they don't know why, right? They don't know why. So, so, so we kind of get, you know, you don't have to get wrapped up in the thing of this world that working hard means if you work 60 hours a week, that means you're really getting somewhere, right? Because what people do in 60, I can do in 40 or less and do it better than you. Why? Because it's God doing it in me, right? In other words, I, I all the time I ask the Lord, you know what, Lord, l- show me what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. I don't need a project manager to, project manager to tell me that. I, I can tell the project manager ahead of that project manager coming up to me, and I can tell them when something needs to be done, right? So, so it's us being able to understand what it means to be at rest, right? And, and even when the Lord talks about, when he talks about Matthew chapter 6, um, 
you know, there, there's a lot of, lot of content in Matthew chapter 6, but one of the beautiful things that I love in Matthew 6 is how he talks about our enjoyment, right? And that I don't have to go out looking for pleasure to bring it to myself. That the Lord adds to me, right? But so let me see. I don't, do we have that picture? Can we show it? Um, just to kind of refresh your memory, I know that you've been seeing this if you've been coming on Wednesdays. You've been seeing this picture. But, I, but obviously that's a picture of the temple, but you can see it's a picture of the temple sideways, right? Um, and, and where the head is, where, it's, where the holiest of all is, right? And where the, the belly is, right? You see kind of that, that belly. And maybe if we can, we can go ahead and, and overlay that picture there so that they can see it or, or however it comes in is fine. Yeah, so, so you see, if we, you saw the picture of the temple before. So this is a picture of you right? This is a picture even of the church, right, lying down. But if you, if you can just leave that picture up there for a second, right? That is, that is, that's, that's, that's us enjoying ourselves, right? That, that's us full of the power of God and the Spirit of God, full of the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of us, fr- filled with every single thing that we would need, right? And, and not just filled with it, right? But, but to know that it is God working in us, Right? If you heard Pastor Mike's message from Wednesday, you know, it's just a beautiful thing. Like, we don't, we don't, we're not talking about everything that we're preaching and when we're preaching it, right? But I tell you, since the first of the year, I, 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 I looked at my notes, and then um, I'm hearing, obviously, Pastor Mike's message from Wednesday, right? That, that God gives you the desire and the power to do it. Does that look like it's you carrying something out, right? Does that look, and I'll show you today a, a perfect example of that that I had in my notes, and I, I, I just think Pastor Mike's message is just very, a very timely thing. So, so, you know, a lot of times we as a church, we ask God for the right desires. Like, Lord, like I want to I wanna just desire you more, right? Or I want to desire the right things or whatever. Like we want God to give us the desires. But you know a very interesting thing that I found, and I don't know if it happens like that in your life, but as I was praying about this, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like many people, or a lot of us, right, we, you ask God to give you the desire, and then once he gives you the desire, you're like, yeah, like you, you like the fact of what you're feeling and what you're feeling like you want to do, and then you start doing it, right? In other words, you get the desire, and then you want to start doing it because almost like you think, like, oh, like that's what I needed. I just needed the desire, but it's not just the desire that he gives you, right? He says he gives you the desire and the power to do it, right? In other words, the he, he, just to even be more clear, right? He gives you the desire and he does the doing, right? In other words, it's God that works in you. It's God that works in you both to will and to do. It's God that works in you. Now, I understand that to the church, that, that sounds very, very foreign, because, because many people still today, unfortunately, in the church believe that there is something that God wants you to do and that he's going to be pleased when you do it, right? But, but and I'll give you a perfect example. I remember watching this video of just, just this man with a ministry, right? And he would, uh, he would show like, kind of like how he would be walking along and the Lord would just give him a word of knowledge for someone and he would talk to that person and he would, he would pray for them and they would be healed and all this stuff was going on and he was being filmed while he was doing it. I, I, I believe even, if, if I'm not mistaken, even some of these were like trips to Israel that he would take or whatever, and he would, but he would film this and, and as I was watching, I would realize that you agree that what's happening is good, Right? You agree with it that that's good. What's going on there is good. That's nice. Yeah, I like that. I want to do that, right? And then you feel 
you feel uh, impressed, you feel, if it's even a word, impulsed, right, to go and to do it, to start doing it because you saw what he did and you think you should be doing likewise, right? The, the, the problem with that is that not, not that gentleman's mentality in, in the video, but our mentality as we watch that is living under the law of Moses, right? In other words, you agree, that's Romans chapter 7, right? You agree that the law is good, but he says, but he looked inside of himself and he found no power with which to do it. But we actually think sometimes when you see something good and you, and you feel impulsed, I'm just going to use that word from now on, right, to do it, right? You, you feel the impulse of doing it and then you just start doing it. We think we're actually doing the right thing because we had a good desire or we agreed with God on something. So, so here, here's, here's the thinking. The thinking is that if you, we believe that if we agree with God, then that is the green light for me to do something. In other words, like God wants you to do it because he, you agree with him. So since you agree with God, that must mean that now it's time to do it. You have the green light, right? But that's not, that's not the church, right? That's not, that's not, that's not our rest. That, that's, that, that's us. In other words, if you could picture this, if you picture the woman lying down, right? You picture her there. Well, you don't have to picture her. You can look at her. You picture the church lying down. You, you know what I, I just, while, while, I was, while we were doing praise and worship, I just, I just had a picture in my mind of her trying to get up. And the Lord saying, well, where are you going? Where are you going? What, what are you doing? Oh, I, I, I have to go. I have to go do this. Why? Why? You, you understand, like, when we feel that we have to get up from our rest, why is that? Where, where are you going? What are you going to do? Is there something that Jesus has not given you and put on the inside of you? Is there something that the Spirit of God within you cannot do that you have to go do it? Where, where are you going? Right now, I get it. Listen, I, I completely understand. There are many things that I still do, right? Because I, my knowledge is not full, right? But when it comes to things, what I'm talking about just specifically this morning are things that you feel that you have to do because you need to somehow please God or that you want to sacrifice something for him or that you want to offer God something. That's what I'm talking about. Is, is when the church is getting up, what are you doing? Oh, I have to do this for you, right? We, we, we have, listen, there, there is... There is, a, there is a good sentiment. There is a good sentiment in the heart of someone that is immature in the things of God. And, and, and the sentiment, that is, the understandable sentiment is, I want to do something for Jesus. That's an understandable sentiment. It is carnal and it is earthly, but it is a sentiment. Like I understand where it comes from, right? It's just not God's way, right? Because the thought in our mind as you mature changes from God, I want to do something for you to focused on what God has done for you, not what you can do for God, right? In other words, it, it, is, it is always and will always be from God's heaven on down, when, you know, when the heavens below God and, and this earth gets a full clue of what actually has happened, the, one of the things that will happen is that this earth will glorify God. The heavens and the earth will all bow before the Lord, right, and, and glorify God Almighty. In other words, we will finally understand that it is about what he has done and not about what we can do. 
We will finally understand that, right? And that comes when you have full knowledge, you will reflect that in every single area of your life. But we're, we're a good place to start, though, today, ahead of the day that we know fully, is to be able to understand today, Lord, what is it that you're asking for? And, and, and when we see a picture of how the church ought to conduct itself at rest, when we see the way God wants us to be, that's why he says, where are you going? Oh, I got to seek after this thing because I, you know, Lord, I want to have this pleasure or that pleasure. And listen, there are things that we can talk that are even reflections, even carnal things that are reflections of, of the church even. To, to understand, listen, the, the, the church experiences all pleasure, all wealth, all prosperity on her back at rest. On her back at rest, Right? There is nowhere for you to go. There's nothing for you to seek, right? In other words, even if you've been hearing the teaching Pastor Mike has been doing about the symbol of between the eyes, having the word of God between the eyes, I don't know how many times you must have heard Miss Lindsay while she was praying say that. I think I heard her at least four times say it, just this morning, right? Just this morning say that, having the word of God between our eyes. See, that is our rest, right? In other words, that, that's, that's where our enjoyment comes from. When you, when you listen, when, you, when you're hearing the Lord speak to you and you have him remind you, right? It's not about chapter and verse, right? But it's fine to be able to, be able to find stuff in your Bible. But for you to hear the Lord tell you, you know what? Um, you know what, uh, Jose, you don't have to seek anything in this world. Lord, but I need this. I know what you need before you even ask me. Like to have him whispering in your ear while you're lying there. You were just about to get up. And to hear the Lord tell you in your ear, don't worry, lay back down. You have nothing to do and nowhere to go. He said, but, but Lord, but I need to seek after this pleasure. And I need this because, Lord, I'm a man. Or, or Lord, not me, um, uh, I was going to say woman, but just so you understand, I'm not saying I'm a woman, right? I'm using as an example, generally speaking, these days, you have to be very clear, right? As a man or a woman, but I have needs, Lord. I know what you need. Listen, when the Lord says he knows what you need, he wasn't just talking about dollar bills, right? He knows even what your body craves. He knows what you need. And if it's something that you need, he said, I will add it to you. I will add it to you. But I have to go get her. I have to go get him. I have to go find. I have to go, I have to go find uh, a promotion. I have to go find a new job. I have to go find this. I have to go find that. To hear the Lord whispering you, if you could hear that this morning, right? And you could hear the Lord say, I know what you need before you even ask me. Let me add it to you. Let me add it to you. You know what it does? It just puts you at ease. You could see a little smirk on your face, right? A little smirk on your face. You know, as we, as, uh, we were kind of gathering this morning, me and Miss Kim were sitting, in, um, were sitting in the fellowship hall there, and little Nathan, and my, my grandson, is coming in the door, and my wife, we have this little game that we play, which maybe some of you guys play it. But we say, oh, pretend you're asleep, pretend you're asleep. Of course, we're not really sleeping, but, but we pretend we're asleep, and then my wife, she cannot hold a straight face ever, right, ever. So she is going to smile right away. Like she, even, like she can't even lie because when you're trying to, mommy, like I tell mama, look, when, uh, when Michael comes in, we're going to tell him this. We're just going to really get him. It's just going to be, you know, to kind of tell him something that's not true so we can really get him. She can't because she'll start talking. <laughs> she'll smile and start laughing right away. She gives it away immediately, right? But so we're in the fellowship hall. And, and, and then Matthew comes in with little Nathan, and, and he says to Nathan, Nathan, look, Mama and Papa, are, they're sleeping, 
And look, you see, you, know, you surely know when someone is sleeping when they're smirking. And I, I wasn't smirking, so I know it was her that was smirking, right? But in, uh, and just a little thing, you know, do, do, I'll just share this with you. There's, a funny, there's an interesting thing even with my wife, like that while she, when she's sound asleep, I look at her, and I tell you what, I swear that she's smirking. Like, like I, when I look at her, she looks so pleased while she's sleeping she just, it's just the way she looks, she looks to me. Like I'll, if I get up in the middle of the night and I look at her, she just has this slight little thing and it looks like she's so pleased. You know, like that's, that's what, I, that, that's what I, I have a sense of the Lord looking at us and saying, Lord, what is it that is acceptable to you? What's acceptable to you? And you know what? That, that's acceptable to the Lord. Like in other words, that's what he wants is what, for us to be able to be at rest and just a smirk on our face, right? Because we have our eyes on the word of God and as you hear what the Lord has done for you and as you hear everything that he's put on the inside of you and as you hear how he's gonna make you fruitful effortlessly and as you hear that promotion comes from the Lord and as you hear that you don't have to seek after everything that the Gentiles seek after because the Lord will add all of these things unto you and then some. When you hear that God gives you the desire of your heart and he, and he does the doing of it as well, doesn't that put a little smirk on your face, put a smile on your face, and you're just at rest, right? Let, let me show you something real quick. If we can go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And let's look at, um, look at verse number, uh, look at verse number five. Um, and this is just what I want to show you out of Hebrews chapter 10, and this is going to be very important to the context of what we want to show you in a little bit here, is for you to clearly be able to see what is acceptable to God, right? Is anything that you could ever give God, think about that for a second. I'm not saying that you would have like a, uh, not something that you want to give or do with like a mean, bad intent. I'm saying anything that you would want to give to God, anything that you would want to sacrifice or give up for him, Anything that, anything that you would want to do for him, just in the context of what the Lord shows us here, so you can see what is it that is acceptable to you. In other words, what is it that the Lord minds, right? What, 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 is, he, what is he mindful of when you do it, right? When he sees it, I should say, right? Verse number five says, therefore, when he came into the world, speaking of when Jesus came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, right? Listen to that, right? In other words, when Jesus came into the world, he's saying, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. I'm reading from the New King James Version. But a body, this is gonna be very important, but a body you have prepared for me. So he's saying, sacrifice, in other words, what people would try to give up, the things that people would try to present to God, and anything that anyone would ever try to offer him, right? Anything, in, in, with the greatest motivation ever, Lord, I'm going to give up eating meat for you for three weeks. Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to move to China. I'm going to become a missionary for you, Lord. I'm going to do anything that you could ever give to God or ever offer him in any sense, under any pretense, under any motivation. The Lord says, you did not desire that. So, so if we could hear this, right? The Lord has never, ever even one time in all of the mind of God ever desired anything from human beings. He has never, ever desired anything from us. Never, not a single time. The, the Lord is saying, even though they used to do it, 
They used to sacrifice these things to you. They used to offer you these things, right? They were offerings. They were sacrifices under the law. Jesus said, you did not desire them. But he said, but here's the truth of those symbols. Here is the truth of those sacrifices. Here is the truth of those offerings. A body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and in sacrifices for sin, right? You had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come, because in the volume of the book it is written, to do your will, God. In other words, you didn't desire that, but I have come, you have given me a body, right? I, was, I, I came into the womb of Mary by the Spirit of God. You implanted me in her body so that I would come out of her birth canal as a baby, human baby, Right? in order to take on flesh like my, like my creation, right? To take on flesh just like theirs in order to be able to die their death because that was your will for me. Not, not, not for you and I, for him. That was the will of God for the body of Christ. Not the church, the body, his physical body. The purpose and will for which Jesus took on a body was in order to... Single purpose, right? To die in that body, to be able to suffer and die in that body. He says, That was to do your will, O God. Then he says, Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offering for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them. I mean, can, can we hear that clearly? That there is nothing that you could ever do you for him that God would ever take the least amount of pleasure in. No pleasure in whatsoever. He, he doesn't even desire it, right? He doesn't even, in other words, he doesn't desire it and he takes no pleasure in it at all. No pleasure in it at all. And, and, and obviously that's not just talking about burnt offerings and sacrifice, in other words, animal sacrifices, right? Because in other words, what, what we learn from what Jesus came and did for us, right, I mean, you, 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 if you take this and you pair it together with just an easy verse like Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. We know that the reason why he lives in us is because he came in so that he and the Father by their spirit could come and dwell and live. In other words, so he, we would become the temple, right? The, the reason why it's so important for the church to conduct itself that way. Or, and, and you know what? It's, again, this is not about you being home, sitting on your couch. It's that before you start your work day, acknowledge what you have in you. Don't walk around like a Gentile. Don't walk around with a mindset that is earthly and thinks that the only way that you're going to get ahead is if you step over everybody else and you work hard and you brown nose your, your, your boss and you make sure that she or he knows exactly what you're doing and you're trying to work best when you're being supervised. Don't think like a Gentile because that's not who you are. Think up in accordance to the power that is towards you in you. And therefore, work from there. Let the Lord be, listen, just simply with the acknowledging. You don't have to even have full knowledge. Just acknowledge the Lord in your job. Acknowledge the Lord in your marriage. Lord, you know what? I have a sense, a desire, Lord, to be more pleasing to my wife, to be more pleasing to my husband. How do you do that, right? Acknowledge the Lord in you who will make kindness and love overflow out of you. You are full. You are a woman, right? We are a temple that is full of every good thing that you could ever need in you. Acknowledge what you have and you will be fruitful. It'll come out. Why? Because when you're acknowledging every good thing in you, you're acknowledging why you have it. You're acknowledging why you have received it. 
You're not trying to get up from the, your place of rest. So even, even while we're doing things imperfectly, and even if, if in our working or in our relationships we're not being perfect in what we're doing, you are so on your way and on the right track to doing the right thing. Why? Because before you even do it, you're acknowledging what you have in you. And that is how you become effectual, right, in your knowledge. You become, the, you, the things that you know about Jesus become effectual in and through you, right? In other words, his working in and through you. Through what? Through the acknowledging of what he's given you. Because you know where it comes from. See, see, when you do something by yourself, you're very conscious of the effort that you have put through. And when you work an 80-hour week, and at the end of that week, your boss comes up to you and says, you know what? I've been thinking about a promotion for you because I've been seeing you've been a busy bee, right? You, you like that, right? Because, in other words, you're being commended for what you know full well you have done and you have put the effort forward, right? But there is a huge difference between that, right, and someone thanking you because what you've done, regardless of the amount of hours that it's been, you've had a sense that it's been the Lord working all of this through you. And you know that the reasons why you have been doing it have felt good within you and in your heart and mind. And while you've been seeking the Lord and praying throughout that week, you knew, you know what, this week you're going to have to put in a little bit more time and it feels good and it feels right and it feels like you're not sacrificing or chasing after promotion or seeking after money all by yourself, right? Because left up to our I mean, that's what the world does, right? The world will work 24 hours a day, seven days a week if it can to be able to get ahead. I know because I did it, right? I, so I, I know what it is to work 80 hours a week just to be able to get ahead with the notion, quote unquote, supposedly that I'm providing for my family. But I was doing it for myself, right? The, the, the supposedly the thing is you were doing it for your family, but it was really I'm doing it for myself, right? But, but as you grow, it's not that you can't work an 80-hour week. It's just that there's a different motivation, right? You know when you're being thanked for your own effort, and you know when you're being thanked and what you really want to say to somebody that doesn't understand, you know what, I know you don't get this, but it was really the Lord working through me, right? I, 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 I was coming up with ideas and stuff was coming to my mind and problems were being solved before I even knew I even had them, right? Anyway, so he says in verse number 8 of Hebrews chapter 10, Previously saying sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had any pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, the first covenant, right? He takes away the first that he may establish the second. The second, the second that he's establishing with his body is, I will love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, right? And I will love my neighbor as myself, right? And he says, just in case we get confused, the second one comes from the first. Why? Because I, I definitely will never, ever acknowledge that by myself, without Jesus, I can love my neighbor as myself. Because the, the human quality is to love yourself and love others as much as they show you that they love you. So that you'll love them back if they love you. If they don't like you, you won't like them back, right? I mean, that's the, the world's way of doing it, right? Love, being able to love anyone, including your enemies, right? That's something that comes from the Lord, right? Love. But anyway, so we'll go from here. So, so what I wanted to just kind of really cement in our thinking was, what is it that is acceptable? What is the acceptable sacrifice? What is the acceptable sacrifice to the Lord? The body of Christ. That is the acceptable and will always be the acceptable sacrifice to the Lord, the body of Christ, right? Now let's go from there. Let's go from there. 
Um, and I think we want to go to, yeah, Let, let's do this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, not for the reason that I mentioned before, but for a different reason. But Matthew chapter 6, if we can go there real quick. And I'll tell you the verse as soon as I get over there. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, and take a look at verse number 8. Right? He says, therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Right? So he's saying, don't, don't think like they think. Don't seek what they seek. Right? You, you seek me and for the understanding, not to get anything. Right? We don't seek God to get. We seek God to understand what we have. Those are two different things. Right? If, there are many people that are still seeking God to get something from him, almost like what he gave is not enough, right? Like you're sitting there literally pregnant. You are so full that there is nothing else that can fit in you, right? And, and you're still trying to get up to seek something, like you're missing something, right? Like you're full. You, you're, you got it, right? We're good. We are good. As the church, we're definitely good. And then he says, uh, he knows what you need, uh, you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I just want to stop there real quick. So one of the things that I've just been seeing here very, very clearly, right, is obviously praying that the will of God be done on this earth, right, is obviously speaking about, right, on one level, speaking about this earth, like in other words, this whole planet, this whole universe, right, that the will of God would be done here on this earth and in the heavens below God, right, as it is done in God's heaven. Right? And, and that's understandable, right? Because everything that happens in the heaven of God, right, is done according to his will. Every single thing. Now, you also saw that, that it is possible, right, completely possible and doable, that the will of God, as it's done in heaven, in the heaven of God, could be done inside of a person, right? Because Jesus said, you gave me this body. You gave me this body. And, and what he described that the Lord was going to use his body for and what he was going to do he said, that was you doing it, Lord. Like, you gave me this body, and, you, and he says, I have come to do your will. So the will of heaven was being done in the body of Christ and through him. Therefore, that's why Jesus would say things like, you know, I have not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Or he would say, the words that I speak are not my own, but the words of my Father, right? Or the things that I do, the works that I do, it's not me doing it, but the Father that's working it, right? So what he's basically describing to us is that, that it is... It is the will of God, it is the will of God, and Jesus just said to pray it, right? That the will of God, as it's done in heaven, would be done here. But it's not just this earth, but even those that are earthy, that are made of earth. I shouldn't say earthy, right? Because that could be describing something else, right? An unsaved person. But, but we also that are still made of earth, right? We still, this body that is still made of earth, it is still, this is still a carnal body. This is not a heavenly body, right? This is still an earthy body, right? that the will of God would be done in it. See, if we understood the will of God and knew why Jesus said that we would pray that, that the will of God would be done on earth here and, and, and from a symbolic point of view, right, in our bodies and with our bodies as it is in heaven, we would understand why Jesus lived the way he lived, right? When he came and took on a body, right, he, the things that were being done, right, he said, I have not come to do my own will. It didn't mean that he didn't have a will. It just said that he didn't yield to his will. He always yielded, and that's going to be an important word for us, right? He always yielded or presented himself always to the Father so that it would not be him that lives, but that it would be the Father living in and through him, 
right? So that it would be not him that lives, right? But it would be the Father living in and through him. That's the will of God being done as it is in heaven, being done in us. The Lord, right, has put heaven in us, inside of us, right? The kingdom of God is in us. So you could say it this way. The will of God is on the inside of you. The same way, the, because kingdom is reign, right? You have the reign of God in you. The reign of God in you. Kingdom is not a place, right? Kingdom is not a place. Kingdom is like, uh, uh, I don't even know how you describe that word, right? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a thing of how it occurs, right? In other words, it's the reign of God. The reign of God is not in a specific place. The reign of God happens to be in heaven, but there is a day where the Lord will also reign on this earth, right? But today, he reigns in my spirit, right? I want him to reign in this body. I don't only want him to reign in this body to make me well when I don't feel good, which is most definitely a portion of it, right? I don't have to wonder and plead and, and, and beg God to heal my body. This is already his body. Of course he wants it well. Of course he wants it. Well, he purchased it. He purchased it. It's his possession. He purchased this body. If people are confused whether God wants his body well, they don't know what it is to be his. They don't know what it means for God to say that your body is the Lord and the Lord is for your body. What does it mean that the Lord is for your body? That he just wants to use it and abuse it for whatever purpose he wants and that's it? No, no. Jesus came and suffered in his so you wouldn't suffer in yours. Jesus came and suffered in his so you wouldn't suffer in yours. Jesus did not call you to suffer after his suffering. He didn't say, you know what, I'm going to nail my son to the cross and then I'll nail you to another one, right? He didn't come to nail you to a cross. He already, listen, the will of God was already done in Christ. It was done and not only was it done, it was finished. When he said it was finished, what do we think he was just talking about? Just dying? He was talking about the will of God is finished. It is done. It is finished. Everything that the Lord needed to accomplish was accomplished. It is done, right? It is done. The, the only thing that you read in the book of Revelations when, when he says that it is done, right? The right translation to that is now it's finally manifest fully outwardly. But it is done. You don't need, as, as the church, as the temple of God, there's not a single solitary thing that you need added to you. Inside of you, not a single, single solitary thing that you need added to you. There are things that the Lord knows that you need, and they are carnal things. And the only reason that you need them is because we are still carnal in many of our ways, right? The Lord will make sure that you have to eat, but that doesn't mean if you, were, if you had a perfect heavenly body, you wouldn't need food, right? But we still eat today, therefore the Lord will add those things to you so you don't have to go chasing after earthly, earthly things, right, like the Gentiles do. But when he says here, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if you could hear that, and the Lord's saying, you know what, I want my will, my will is for heaven that you have in you. In other words, the way my will is done in you, I want that will to be done out here. And, and all that that means is I want, I want to love through you. I want to give you joy from me, and you can share that joy. You can share that love with other people. I want to show you what kindness is. I want to be kind through you. I'm not asking you to be kind. I'm not asking you to love. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to give you the desire to love and then I'm going to ask you to love someone. I'm saying to you that I will be fruitful through you. It, it, listen, it, it says, right, the Lord says that, that it is well-pleasing to him for him to be fruitful through you. Let me see if I can find that in John 15 real quick. 
If you guys find it, just let me know if you find it before, before I do. John 15, 8. L- listen to this. Because tell me if you've heard this before. Have you ever heard or even felt yourself or heard someone say, I just want God to be glorified, like I want to bring glory to God? You ever felt that, right? Now, that's a good feeling. It's not something God is asking you to do, though, but it is a good feeling. In other words, it is a good desire, right? God gives you the desire, right? For it is God that is working in you, both to give you the desire and the doing of it, right? Sometimes, though, we get a little confused, right? We think that God gives you a desire, and that means that he's asking you to do it. You're getting two things confused. You're getting, you're getting, you're getting the desire confused with now law-abiding, right? A desire is not a law. A desire is just something God put in your mind, a thought, right? And what he tells you is, what, where are you going? Because you're getting up, right? Where are you going? Right? Get back down. It's okay. But Lord, but you just said, you just said that you, you, you wanted me to bring you glory. Yes. Let me show you how I do that. Watch. Look at verse number eight. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. A disciple is a learned one. A disciple is one that has the law between his eyes and doesn't take his eyes off of it and is sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary and all he's doing is learning. A disciple is a learned one. A disciple is not one that is busy doing stuff. A disciple is a learned one. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Doesn't have anything to do with what you're trying to do to glorify God. Being a disciple is you got your eyes on my word and nothing else, right? But, but by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Now here's the thing. The reason why the the first commandment needed to be done away with to give place to the second is because we could not be fruitful. Right in John 15, he says, without me, you can do not a single, solitary, fruitful thing. Not a single, solitary, fruitful thing can you do without Jesus, right? If we think that we can be fruitful, if God gives you a desire and you feel, you, you see somebody ministering to the sick and praying for people, and you're like, yeah, that's what I want to do, so I'm going to go after it and I'm going to go do it. Believe me, I know exactly what that feels like, and I know what it feels like to fall right on your face when you went out to do it by yourself, right? I know exactly what, what it feels like. I know how, how strong a desire, but I felt this. I get it. You have a desire from God. Agreed. 100%. Check off that box. You have a desire from God. Now wait and let him do it. Right? Because the fact that you got a desire from God never means go do it. It never means go do it. I would encourage you to go listen to Wednesday's message, right? It never means go do it. It just never means that, right? Just if it's a desire from God, the same one that gave you the desire is the same one that has the power toward you. It comes from the same God by the same spirit, right? The desire will come and so will the power with which to do it, right? The, the same thing will come. So, um, so let, let's do this. Let's go to First Peter, yeah, yeah. We did want to go over there, so let's go over there. First Peter chapter uh, 2. And th- this will help you. I know it, it helped me immensely. I know it will help you. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. Coming to him as to a living stone. What was that now? A living stone. Coming to him. It's not calling you a living stone yet. It will, right? We're just talking about Jesus right now. Coming to him. You're coming to him, and he is a living stone. Now, that is a bit contradictory, right, it would seem like. Because if, if you look in our glossary, right, and you see stone, stone represents something that is still at rest, dead, right? 
still, right? At rest, stone. But then living, right? A living stone. Living life is like activity, right? So, so hold on, what is that? Active and rest at the same time. Jesus was that, right? It says Jesus was active and at rest, but, but really from a Jesus perspective, we read in Hebrews chapter 10, it, it's a bit different for him, right? And a bit different for him because we are not the Savior, right? The difference for him was he came and was alive and was dead and then received life again by the Spirit of God, right? He was glorified. He received glory from the Spirit of God. So the, he's a living stone, right? In other words, living stone, and you'll see it in a second, is one that was dead and now is alive. In other words, alive from the dead, Alive from the dead. A living stone is one that is alive from the dead. Living, alive, stone, dead. Alive from the dead, right? A living stone. Jesus obviously is that. Now that very thing is actually what people rejected. People rejected his death, right, for them and rejected the, the glory that came afterwards, right? They rejected that. So it says coming to him as to a living stone, but it says he was rejected indeed by men. And you'll see in a second that what they rejected was, was his death first and foremost, right? They rejected, he was rejected indeed by men and chosen by God and precious. So he was rejected by men, but he was chosen another, unfortunately, like another way that they translate the same word in the same chapter is elect. So elect and chosen is the same thing here. So it says that Jesus was rejected by men, but he was elect by God. He was chosen by God. And we read what he was chosen to do, right? He was chosen to come to take on a body, to die in this body for us, and to be raised and to be glorified with the Father as it was when, they, when time first began, right? The, the way it was, sorry, before he came, not before time. Um, so, so it says he was chosen by God and precious, but then it says, but you also... So now it said first that it first said that Jesus, he's a coming to him as to a living stone, right? He he also, as a living stone, becomes also what the Bible also translates as the cornerstone. Because it's his death, his death and his life, right, and the glory that he shares with us that becomes the foundation of everything that we believe. We're built up on the gospel, right? We're being built up on the gospel as a dwelling place of God, which is the same picture that I was showing you before. So it says, you also, in verse number five, as living stones. So, so it called him a living stone, and it's calling us living stones, right? But listen, though. We, though, we, though were not, we, we didn't, we were not crucified and then given life, right? But we were, we may not have been physically crucified, but we were, we were crucified with Christ, right? We, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, right? In that verse, you see living stones, right? It's not, it's not, I was crucified with Christ. In other words, I have been acquainted with his death. And maybe if we have a time, we'll read it later in Romans chapter 6, right? But we have been acquainted with the death of Jesus, right? Which is, he gave, us, he gave us rest. He gave us stillness, right? He made us that temple that we were looking at before, right? He made us still, but then we're living. So we're living stones. We are alive from the dead, right? We're alive from the dead. We received death, and now we have life, right? So we are for sure living. You don't get more alive than we are. We have this thing called eternal life, right? 
That's a pretty big one, right? Eternal life is pretty big and pretty long-lasting, right? Pretty powerful thing that affects who, who we are and what we do. We have this thing called eternal life, right? That means that, that death no longer has dominion over you. When you have eternal life, death has no dominion. If death had dominion, then what you have is not eternal. And I get it. To most people, eternal life means you're going to live forever in heaven. But that is just the way people think, unfortunately, right? That's not what the Bible says. It's what people have deduced and because they're not, not going to be in heaven all their lives anyway, but that, that's a whole separate thing. Anyhow, so, so watch what it says. It says, you also as living stones, it says those that are alive from the dead, um, you're being built up a spiritual house. You're being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Now stop there for a second. Why would he even mention that? You're a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, what does the priesthood have to do with us being the house of God? Most Christians know my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Most Christians have no idea what it means to be a priest, right? Like, you, you, do you think you could just go up to any Christian that you could ask them and say, you know, you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Amen, brother. You know that you're a priest? What? What? Well, I'm, I'm a who? I'm a, I'm a priest? What? Oh, 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 it's that verse, priesthood. But we don't understand what that means, right? But here's the thing. What does a priest do, right? And he clarifies it in a second. But what do priests do? Priests bring offerings, right? They bring sacrifices, right? A priest brings a sacrifice to the Lord. But here's why I read what I read to you, right? You already know what the acceptable sacrifice is, right? In your mind, there doesn't have to be a single question about what is acceptable to the Lord because Jesus made it so crystal clear that you'd have to, you'd have to, you'd have to go find somebody to help you misunderstand what he said, right? He said, I am, I and what I have done is the only sacrifice that is acceptable and God has neither ever desired nor does, have, does he ever take pleasure in any other sacrifice apart from mine. Never, ever, right? But here he says, he says, you also as living stones, you're being built up a spiritual household, a, a priesthood, a holy priesthood, but watch, to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Wow, isn't that something? I thought you just said... That, that's exactly what God does not want, right? Didn't you just say he doesn't want sacrifices? And you're saying that me being also the church being a priesthood? Because he doesn't say priest. He said a priesthood. In other words, all of us are a priesthood, right? We, we form plural, the priesthood, right? So we, all of us, should be offering up sacrifices to God. But we need to understand what that looks like, right? Because people take, look at that verse, and they say, oh, see, God wants me to do something for him. Yeah, here's what you know. Here's what you know. You know that the temple is a picture of the church at rest. And you know that Jesus, that said coming to him as a living stone. And you know that Jesus said in Matthew, he said, come to me, all you, you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. And I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. Rest, right? As he said, I'll give you rest. So, so when we see that, right, spiritual sacrifice, acceptable to God, but he gives it away a little bit because he just said, through Jesus Christ. He didn't say, you go offer me something in your own power. He didn't say, you go offer me something some other way. He said, you are a living stone, which you'll see in a second also is equivalent and synonymous with living sacrifice, and I'll show you that in a second from, Hebrew, from Romans 12, right? But here he says, you are living stones, and you are a priesthood, and yes, you are to offer up 
spiritual sacrifices, right? Living sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices. Right? You, the life that you have is because of the Spirit. Don't get that wrong. The eternal life you have in you that I just told you you possess is in you because you have the Spirit in you. He says spiritual sacrifice is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect. That word elect is the same word chosen that he had in verse number four. He just reiterates here, I have laid in Zion, right, on Mount Zion. In other words, for the church, I have laid, I have laid a foundation for it. And everything that is done is built on that. We need to understand what that means, right? Everything you do, every desire you have, everything is compared to the, where you stand, right? If it matches that, right, and you can see that's a godly desire, right? Don't be looking inside of you to see if you can find, in other words, in, in your flesh, I should say. Don't look in your flesh to see if you can find what's needful to bring that to pass. Look in, in, in the reign of God that you have in you if you are not filled and are endued with all power on the inside of you to bring to pass what needs to happen, right? You have it. You're not lacking any spiritual gift or anything from God, right? You have what you need. But, but he makes a point. After he says that we are a priesthood to offer up acceptable sacrifice, he says, behold, though. In other words, see, like watch, open your eyes, don't decide yet what I meant. He said, I have laid in Zion a chief cornerstone. He who is elected, I just said, he who is precious. And you know the people that know how precious he is are those, he, he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Watch, look at verse number seven. Therefore to you who believe, you see how, listen, look at how he does it. He's just masterful at how he describes it. He tells you that you, are, that you are living stones, being built up a house for God, right? And then he says, you are also a priesthood to offer up sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices, living sacrifices to God. And then he says, but behold, wait, look. I have laid, look at where you're standing, he says. And those that look at my son, the foundation on which you've been established upon. And in verse number seven, he says, he shifts your eyes, right? You notice these things, listen, people, if you think these are mistakes and coincidences, you're so dead wrong, right? I would say you're alive, but you're still wrong. You're not dead wrong. You're alive, but you're still wrong, right? What was the last song that Miss Lindsay just happened to look over to Pastor Mike and to the sound folks back then and said, can we do this song? Do you remember what it was? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? She, she had no idea what we're teaching here today, no idea to, through the things that the Spirit of God was praying through her. That's where he shifts your eyes, right? When he tells you that you're a priest, then he says, but look at where you're standing. Look at the foundation that I have established for you. He said, for those who believe, he is precious. If you believe in where you stand and you believe in what I've done for you, not what you're trying to do for me. You're trying to get up from your place of rest to do something for me. He said, if you can believe on what he has done, if you believe on the chief cornerstone that I have laid myself, because it was God that was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It was his doing, right? It was his doing, and it was the son's submission to him, having the same mind that it was God working it through his body, right? Your father, your father working, your father bringing to pass his will in heaven on this earth is what he was doing. Same thing that he wants to do with your body, right? You, because as he was a living stone and the will of God was being done through his body, I'm going to show you in Romans chapter 12, he wants to bring the same will to pass through yours. 
the same will of God to use your body as he used Christ's body. It was just two different uses, right? Here, he sacrificed his body in order to be a sacrifice for your sins. Here on this side, right, it's, it's us to be able to understand and yield, right, yield our bodies in our rest or in our deadness, right, in our rest, yield our bodies so it can be God that lives and not you. Because that is a much more prosperous, right, much more prosperous uh, uh, offering that he's making to you there to say, take your rest and let me show you what prosperity is like. Let me show you what kindness is like. Let me show you what love is like. Let me show you what being good is like, right? I can show you what that is, he's saying, right? Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, to what? To the doctrine, to the gospel, to those who are disobedient, the stone, the stone that the Lord has laid which the builders rejected, the stone that the builders have laid, which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. In other words, the, the death of Christ, the death of Christ that they rejected has become the only way to stand in the kingdom. The, the, in other words, they rejected their salvation. They rejected their salvation. He says, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word. He clarifies there. So you know what their disobedience is. It's not their actions. It's their rejection of the gospel, right? Disobedient to the word to which they, all, they also were appointed, right? And then he clarifies again in verse number nine. You are a chosen generation, right? Just like Christ was chosen, elect, right? So you are a chosen generation. And he reminds you again, a royal priesthood to do what to offer up sacrifices to god so let's let's sharpen that a little bit more and we're, we're on our way out here right on our way to wrap up here so let's go to romans chapter 12 romans chapter 12 and you i want you to take words from first peter like acceptable to god you saw that there living uh you saw spiritual sacrifice acceptable is acceptable to god right here in romans chapter 12 watch the enormous similarities between these two these two uh these verses right he, verse number one of romans 12 he says I, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god um he, he that beseech you is like that, that's a pretty strong word like he's almost begging right Almost begging, he's saying. Like, I, I beseech you. Like, like I just, I, I, I uh, beg is a good word. I can't think of a better one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, based on the mercy of God. In other words, based on what he has done, right? Based on what he has done. Um, that you watch, that you present your body. So now, see, he starts sharpening that a little bit. Like what, see, I'm using like an old-fashioned sharpener. Remember the sharpeners, right, you had in school? They used to bolt them to wood. And then you put your pencil in it, and it had this big metal thing, and you just like this. And they, they, some of them, when they were really new, they would just eat up your pencil. You would, right? But anyway, so, so th this sharpens this up a little bit, right? Where, where he, he calls living, where he says living stone, here he says living sacrifice, right? Living, right? Living life, stone, death, right? Rest. Here he says that you present Present your body. Now, the word present there, I think, is, a, is a, just a bad translation, right? Because when you hear present, you think something I have to do, right? Like, like, like present, like what does that mean? Like, I don't know, I have to show him, I have to do for him, right? But present there is yield, yield, right? In other words, we may not have time for me to turn to it, but in Romans, the Lord says, right, that just as we, I think it's Romans 8, it's either Romans 6 or Romans 8, but he says, just as you presented or yielded your members 
to sin, to unrighteousness. And, and how did that look like, right? When, when, when the God of this world and the world system used to work in us before we were saved, right? Your body was for sure an instrument of unrighteousness, right? In other words, you yielded your body to do what you felt was good for you to do. And, and listen, when, when, when you used to do stuff that was a lot of fun, and it was wrong, but it was a lot of fun, right? Your body was all into it, all into it. <laughs> your body was always the culprit, right? In other words, your body is always the accomplice of your mind, was always the accomplice of your mind. It was yielded completely. When you wanted to do something, you took your body with it, right? You didn't just think about it, right? I remember going into a candy store on Roosevelt Avenue, right? Don't know why I did it. Well, I do know why I did it. It's a sin, right? But, but I was just standing there. I must have been maybe nine, eight, nine years old, and they had all the candy bars by the register, right? And I thought, you know what? I should take that, right? I remember like yesterday, right? And there was a guy behind the counter, and I I'm, don't even know how to do it right, but I was going to take it, right? And I took it. My body was all in it, <laughs> all into it, right? I didn't just think it, right? I had the desire, and then I used my body with the, with the power that was coming from sin in me to do it, right? So what was I doing? I was yielding my body to my thought. Yielded it, right? I didn't just think of it and look at it. I want to take the candy bar and then stayed standing there like a fool, right? I yielded my body. I walked over. I took it, picked it up, and then looked up, and the guy was looking right at me, right? And, and you think that he would say, like, you're, you're going to pay for it? But he knew in my body language, like, how I took it. Like, he basically said, like, where are you going with that, right? And knew, I, don't, I don't remember his exact word. I just knew I was snagged. That's all I remember. But my body was all a part of that. What the Lord says, listen, he said, this is not hard. The same way you yielded your body or you presented your body to sin and to unrighteousness, so also yield your members now to righteousness and to God. You know what that's called? That's being, and I'll turn there in, in a little bit, right? But the Lord talks about being alive unto God. Alive unto God, and I'll show you that in a second. But look at verse number one again, sorry. I'm probably driving you guys kooky back there. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, that you yield your bodies a living sacrifice. You, you know what that looks like in practice? That looks like that woman, doesn't it? Rest, right? She's at rest. And, and she's saying, right, when the Lord whispers in her ear and says, where are you going? Lord, but I have to go do something for you. No, no, remember what I have done for you. But Lord, this has to get done. Don't worry, I'll do it through you. I will use that body of yours that is mine, that I have purchased, right, that I can work and I can do and I can speak and I can be fruitful through, right? The, we read that from John 15, right, that, that, that God is glorified when you bear much fruit. It's just not you bearing it. <laughs> it's just not you bearing the fruit, that's all. It's just not you loving. It's not, just, it's not you being faithful. It's not you being good. It's not you being kind. It's just not you, that's all. It's, not, it's just not you, right? It's just not you. Right? It, it is to the world that looks like you're being loving, kind, compassionate, right? Giving, right? Giving to those that are lame, right? Such as I have, I give unto you, right? But it's just not you doing it, right? It's not you that lives, but it's Christ that lives in you. I have been crucified with Christ. That is your rest, right? I have been circumcised, right? This body, we have been circumcised from this body, right? So, so we, it no longer has dominion over us. It doesn't have dominion over him. 
right? It doesn't have dominion over him. It doesn't have dominion over us. So he says a living sacrifice that is what? Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So even, so what he's saying is your service to God, the only thing that even makes any sense, the word reasonable there, right? The only thing that makes any sense is that you have everything in you. Why don't you just let me do it? <laughs> it's the only thing that makes any logical sense. I have put everything in you. Let me do it. But then he clarifies even more, just in case in your mind you're arguing, well, I don't see that there, Pastor Jose. Keep reading with me then. Verse number two says, and do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't seek, Matthew 6, right? Don't work like they work. Don't do what they do. That's not what I have. That's not my will for you. But I am going to show you my will. But that's not my will for you, for you to be conformed to the way this world works, right? But be transformed. And that is talking about your body, right? transformed or transfigured, right? That's talking about your body because it's not your spirit. Your spirit's already been made just like his. It's not, it's not talking about the mind of Christ in you, right? It's talking about what? Your body. He says be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. You see, he wants us to be disciples, learned ones. He wants us to be living stones that have our eyes on the word of God. In other words, he wants us to be at rest with the word of God between our eyes, right? He says, he says, be re by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you may show, watch the will of God, that you may show as you're doing that, if you, as, you, as your mind is being renewed, as you're being a disciple because you continue in my word, we think that there's lots of stuff God wants us to continue in, but he never even desired you to continue in anything else, neither has he ever asked you to do anything else. He has only ever asked you to keep his word between your eyes. But that's sometimes for people, right? It's, it's not enough, but that's what he's saying. That is all I want you to do. And then you could, you could stay at rest and be like Miss Kim with a big smirk on your face while you're at rest. A big old smirk on your face. Why are you smiling? Because I have everything. And he's given everything for me. And life can come out of me effortlessly. It can come out. What are you doing? I have my eyes on you, Lord. I have my eyes on your word. Watch. That you may prove or show, show forth, right? What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Will of God, right? He is a living stone because the will of God was done in his life. He came alive from the dead. He's saying to us, present yourself. This is how I want you to conduct yourself. Remember the picture we were looking at? This is how I want you to conduct yourself even in your body. You keep looking at, keeping, keep my word between your eyes and I will bring my will to pass as it is in heaven onto this earth. As it is in heaven, it will be done in you. Listen, when the Lord asked us to pray that, it wasn't just for other people's profit, right? It was for yours too, right? It wasn't just that the will of God would be done on this earth as it is in heaven to help somebody else. Let it help you first, right? Let the will, of, you know the will of God. You know the will of God because you know what Jesus came to provide. The will of God was done in Christ for you. If you have any doubt about what the will of God, is the will of God to heal me? Well, did he take your wounds on the tree? The answer to that would be check, yes. Does the Lord want me to prosper? Yes, he became poor that we might be rich. The Lord has given us the power to wealth. The Lord has done everything that was needful to be done so that we could have what we need and, and lay there. As a happy pregnant woman, I'm not saying my wife is pregnant, right? But I'm just saying she is full, right? She's full. And he is not asking you to get up. Listen, it's just the enjoyment. When the Lord says that at, at my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. 
He said, you think sometimes that you have to get up and start doing in order to even experience pleasure. You don't even know what pleasure is until you have received pleasure from God. You don't even know what love is until you let him love through your body. You don't even know what kindness is until you let him be kind through you. We don't even have a clue of what true fruit is until we allow him to be fruitful. And then when he does it, listen, there's a huge difference. You could be reading your Bible, driving yourself nuts trying to figure out what stuff is, driving yourself crazy. And you know what? You'll never see it. Because you cannot understand the word of God through carnal means. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge me, right? The one that have put my mind in you, and I will direct your path, right? I will show you. I will lead you, right? When you come, when you come to read your Bible, you come to pray, come with a big smirk on your face, right? Because you have, you know all things within you. You know everything. He says, he says, you have received an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. You know all things. The unction is the Spirit of God in you. You have the knowing in you already. Let him illuminate your heart. Let him illuminate your soul, and let him teach you. That, isn't that what Jesus said? Come to me. He said, learn from me. Learn from me. Let me be your teacher, right? Is he not the shepherd, right? Is he not the teacher? Why are we trying to teach ourselves? It's even, even, even reading your Bible could become a burden, right? I remember. I, I totally remember. I had to get up at a certain time, because, and then I, needed, I had to watch the preacher from this half hour, and then after that I had to read my Bible, and then a psalm, and then a proverb, and then the Bible in a year, and my devotional, and when I did all of my stuff, I patted myself on the back, and you're ready to go because you did what you were supposed to do. And all of that is hogwash. That's pig slop is what that is. God never asked me to do it. He never told me to do it, and he never empowered me to do it, right? He never empowered me to do that stuff, right? He never told me to do any of that. But you say, but I have a desire to read the word of God. Check, great, that's from God. I have a desire to hear the word being preached. Check, that's from God. He just never asked you to do it. He never asked you to make a regimen out of it. He never asked you to make a discipline out of it. He never asked you to make a whole thing about it. So then when you don't do it, you feel condemned and guilty because I didn't, and, and what's the matter with you today? Uh, you seem a little off. I didn't read my Bible today. You're walking around with the shepherd right on the inside of you. You have the mind of Christ right here, and you're feeling guilty because you didn't open up a book in the morning, right? You know what that's called? unbalanced and double-minded, right? We, we don't get it. We, we, we're just, we're still carnal. But you know what I'm trying to illuminate today is? The desires that you're feeling are all good. I don't know if all of them are good. I'll say that. But I, I know a good desire when I hear one. And, and when you're talking about how much you love God and how much, how much you, you have a sense for God to want to work through you and the things that you want, in other words, you want to see God glorified, I'm like, that's awesome. I want to see God glorified too. You, you have a desire to read, read the word. I have the same desire. You have a desire to hear from God. I have the same desire. All of those desires are all good. It's just that we ruin it when we try to make those desires come to pass. Again, listen to Pastor Mike's message from Wednesday, right? The perfect companion to this, right? It's just he gives you both the desire and the power. So when the Lord is saying to you, you know what, to bring a living sacrifice, to present yourself, as a living sacrifice, right? Let, let, I, I know if you give me two minutes, I know it's 12.05. Let me, let, me, let me take two minutes to read this to you and then we'll finish up here. 
I will, I think we'll, we'll stop with Romans chapter 6, right? So look at Romans chapter 6, and we'll just put the lid on it, and I'll try my best not to expound on any of this, right? That'll be difficult, but we'll see. Um, Romans chapter 6 and verse number 5, for if we have been united, right, if we have been made living stones, right, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Living stone, right? Resurrection is life, likeness of his death is a stone, right? Knowing that our old man was crucified with him, rest. Our old man was crucified with him, rest. That the body of sin might be done away. That done away there means made inactive. That's rest, right? Your body is made inactive, right? Sin and the desires of your fleshly mind don't have to work it. He's put a spirit on the inside of you. It's not the spirit of of the sons of disobedience that you have in you. We've been given a different spirit, right? Same spirit that Caleb had, same spirit that Joshua had, right? Uh, That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Slave of sin. Remember the candy store, right? Remember the body being all in it? That's a slave of sin, right? I thought I was a good boy. I guess not, right? I guess not. I thought I was a good boy. I guess not. I guess none of us were good, right? I guess none of us were good, right? It said that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died, he who has been given rest, has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, if he's a living stone and so are we, If we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. So death and sin, the law of sin and death, no longer dominate his body. So that means his body is not a slave of sin anymore. His body is not all in on sin, right? If a thought comes, it can leave just like it came, right? You're not obliged to it. You're not obligated to it, right? If it comes, let it go the same way it came in, right? For the death that he died, verse 10, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. What does that mean? He's alive unto God. In other words, that is God doing his will in and through him. In everything that he does, it is God working in and through him, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure, right? How does God, even that verse right there, according to his good pleasure, right? How does God, what does God really take pleasure in? The power of God working in and through you to glorify him. God takes pleasure in that. Likewise, it says, likewise now to you. He talked about him, now he's going to talk about you. Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God. Dead and alive, right? Living stone, living sacrifice, living stone, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, now it didn't just say alive to God. Because now, in other words, he didn't say, consider yourself dead indeed to sin, and now you're alive to God, so now you can just do all things that please him. He said, alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because your life, Colossians says, is hidden in him now, right? Your life is, and I encourage you to read that, right? Colossians chapter 2 and 3 would help you immensely. A lot of good stuff along these same lines, right? Alive, alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. You see the word reign there? Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. What does that look like? Candy store, right? I have a thought, my body, it has to do it, right? It, it, I have a fleshly mind, right, that is led by the process of this world by the prince of the power of the air right a spirit that is of this world and not the spirit of god my body's all in it it does it 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 commits sin it's 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 obligated to it i'm a slave to it If, if i wasn't doing it i was thinking it and premeditating it right we were doing stuff like that right but he says therefore don't let sin reign in your mortal body in other words you don't have to He's removed, he circumcised your flesh, so now you're not obligated to that. He says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Lust is a desire. You don't have to obey the desires of your flesh. You, don't have, you, can, you can feel it, but you don't have to obey it. 
right? But the same way you feel the desire of God, but he's not asking you to obey that either, right? He's not asking you to obey sin in you, and he's not asking you to obey the desire that you get from him either, right? He's giving you the power to do it. He says, I will do it, right? Your body is for the Lord, and the Lord is for your body. But watch, he'll tell you. And do not present same word as over there, right, that we were seeing before. Do not, do not present, do not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness or sin, but present or yield yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. There is a living stone, a living sacrifice, being alive from the dead. In other words, you're dead and your life is now hid with Christ and the life that you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God that loved you and gave himself for you. That's called living, right? That's called living. Living is not I have life from Jesus, so I'm going to try to do something for you. Living is let him live. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. He's saying being alive from the dead and your members now, your body, your hands, your mouth, your ears, right? Your hearing, right? Your, your thoughts, your feet, what you do, right? How you do it, the excellence with which it gets done by the Spirit of God or the half-baked way that the world does stuff, right? It's half-baked. The world does it as long as it's being profited by it. And if you don't profit by it, then I'm not going to work as hard. You didn't notice the work that I did last week? I'm not going to work as hard this week, right? But the Spirit of God in me does things with excellence whether you acknowledge me or not because you are not my source, right? That's a different way of thinking. When you think people are your source, you will work to please that king, right? That person that, that holds your destiny in their hands. But when it's God working in and through you, he's not dependent on you or anybody else. So he will work excellence even if you're a slave and not being paid a dime for what you do. He will work excellence so Potiphar can even notice who's an ungodly man and doesn't even know who Jesus is and hasn't ever even heard of Jesus, right, can see God being with you, right, even an ungodly man. He says, being alive from the dead in your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law. And I will stop it there. You're not under law. I mean, the, the latter part of verse number of chapter 6 tells you, actually, in verse number um, 19, it says, present your members as slaves of righteousness. Slaves of righteousness for holiness, right? So it says, you're not a slave of sin, you're a slave of righteousness. So that means your body now is all in to righteousness. So you have not the spirit of the world that, that works in the sons of disobedience, but it is God Almighty that works in you by his spirit, right? So therefore, all he's saying is the same way you yielded you there, yourself there, that wasn't hard, right? It wasn't, it wasn't hard to sin. It was actually easy as pie, right? Easy to sin, right? Yield yourself now to me, right, who am greater than sin that was in you, right? I'm greater, right? So you can do even greater works than these, he says, right? Why? Because I go to my Father, and I'm sending my Spirit to dwell in you. Great things can be done from you. Great things can be done from you. It's such a, such a, a better way, I tell you what, if I had a, <laughs> if we were putting artwork on our messages, it would be awesome to have Miss Kim's face on this message with a smirk on her face, right? Just so pleased and so at rest and so joyful and so happy, right? And you know what? In our lives sometimes we have stuff going on in our body. We have things that cause us concern and worry and people are afraid of losing their jobs and people are insecure about their marriages and people are insecure about their, the economy and money and all of this stuff. But do you know that you could be in a world where the world is suffering from all of that? And even you experiencing certain things, certain effects of the world, even in your body and in your circumstance. 
And you can allow the Lord to turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? And you can have him begin, right, begin to, 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 to listen to the Lord and to hear the things that he's reminding you of and what he's saying, right? And I know you want to get up because you want to fix something, right? But if before you even start your day, before you even start to work, before you even start to do that, before you start even seeking pleasure for yourself, right? Because people seek after like drugs and sex and all kinds of things. It's not because it doesn't feel good. It feels great, right? It feels great. But, but, but there is better though, right? That's carnal, that's temporal, and, and, and the drugs and alcohol, and as, as absent-minded and restful as it can make you feel, right? A lot of people that are drunk and inebriated, if that's the word, right? They got big old smiles on their face, they don't even know why they're smiling, right? And, and, but you know what, when you, when you have, when you can allow the Spirit of God to make you drunk, right? When you can allow the Spirit of God to influence your thoughts, right? When you can allow the Spirit of God to allow you to drive while intoxicated, right? As you can begin to walk on this world intoxicated with everything that you have on the inside of you from the Lord and allow Him to inundate your mind with the way your circumstances truly are, right? You can, with, with, with all that fluff going on on the outside, you can say, but there is a deeper truth that I'm not seeing and allow the Lord to begin to put a light on that so that you can see what you really have and what you really can depend on and what is really true and what is really sure in your life, right? You, allowing the Lord to do those things, listen, that will put a lasting smile on your face that is actual joy coming from the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for each and every single person, Lord, that will, has heard and will ever hear and receive the words, Lord, that you have spoken, Lord, the things that you have reminded us of today, Lord, and you have been doing it all service long. You have been doing it, Lord, all service long, Lord. You, you were speaking the same thing, Lord, on Wednesday. This is not a new thing. You have been speaking this, Lord, for years and thousands of years. But there is a reality, Lord, and that is that men many times, Lord, reject what is perfect and reject what is good. You came, Jesus, and you did everything for us, and yet people still rejected you. And you loved like no one had ever loved this world before, and they still rejected the one that came to be their foundation. And today, Lord, it still happens, Lord, but today, Lord, is not a day, Lord, that that's happening in our lives. For in our minds, in our hearts, Lord, it is different, Lord. We are so satisfied with you, Jesus. We are so full. We are people that have become, Lord, that, that have become so full that contain the fullness of God on the inside of us, Lord. And that we, you have made us, Lord, living stones. People, my Father, that can be at rest, Lord, and there can be a whole lot of living happening in our lives a whole lot of living, a whole lot of power, a whole lot going on in our lives, my Lord, but it can be you doing it as we acknowledge you, as we continue, Lord, to have, Lord, the, the outside and our circumstance, Lord, our, the, our bodies, Lord, transformed, Lord, by the renewing of our mind. Thank you, Lord, that our minds are being changed. That's such, such good news. Our minds being changed to be right in line with your thoughts. But it doesn't stop there, Lord. You're not asking us just to have an agreeable mind, but it's also our body, Lord, so that our body could be in complete concert, in complete concert, Lord, and manipulated and worked and possessed, my Lord, by your Spirit. Paul, Paul even said that, uh, Lord, by the inspiration of your Spirit, he said that I, may, that I may possess that for which, Lord, you possessed me. 
that I may possess that which you have, for which you have possessed me, Lord. And I thank you, my God, for your working, for it is you, Lord, that works in and through us, Lord, to bring your will to pass, my God. And your will for us, Lord, is love and joy and peace and wholeness and happiness, Lord, in every single way, Lord, and fullness and health and prosperity, Lord, in every sense, Lord, that people would look at us and they would give glory to you. We want you to be glorified, Father. We want you, Father, to be glorified. Therefore, glorify yourself in and through us. We yield, Lord, these bodies, my God, to you. Lord Jesus, have your way with this body, Lord, for it is for your purpose and it is for your use. And I agree with all of your use of it. There is nothing that you would ever do through this body, Lord, that I would disagree with. It is your body, my God, and you are for it. And I know you care for it and you will tend it, Lord, and you will heal it and you will give it life, Lord, by the same spirit that dwells in us. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord. If anyone is hurting in their body, if anyone is hurting in their body, Lord, we thank you, my God. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Healing and wholeness unto your body from the inside out. Healing and wholeness to your body from the inside out, to every part of your body, to every joint, to every muscle, to every part of your skeletal system, life from what you have on inside of you right now. If you've been worried and concerned about the condition of your body, let me put a smile on your face. Let me put a smile on your face. For I have put on the inside of you every answer to every problem that you could have in your body. Keep your eyes on me. You don't have to seek after wholeness and healing. Keep your eyes after me. Keep your eyes right on me, fixed on me. And you'll see that I will be the one to give you peace because of the knowledge of what I have done for it, for your body and for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my God, that our bodies, Lord, that you love our bodies, that you love our bodies. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, you, you, you care for it and you nourish our bodies. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this uncommon truth out to the world. If you'd like to support this good news, you can do so at reformchurch.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reformchurch.com.